Hi, and welcome to Spotlight, Women in Jazz. I'm your host, Ava Gallo, and in this podcast, we'll be listening to various women in jazz talk about their career and adversities they may have faced as women in jazz. This podcast is affiliated with 92WICB Ithaca, which you can listen to anytime on our app, 92WICB, on WICB.org, 92WICB on iHeartRadio, or ask Alexa to play 92WICB, and of course on 91.7 FM in Ithaca, New York. We have a variety of shows, including Jazz Impressions, that plays every Monday through Friday from 12 to 2 p.m. The intro you just heard was Marie by Brigitte Zari. Brigitte Zari grew up in a multicultural background. Her parents were from Casablanca, Morocco. Her father was a multi-instrumentalist. Her mother was a singer and French teacher, and her grandmother was from Spain. So she was raised in a home alive with exotic rhythm and melody. From day one, Brigitte has been singing and writing songs. She's played in bands and was a featured vocalist in films and commercials. She has explored other genres, but jazz is her utmost passion as well as her own material. Her goal is to express her own life experiences in her music. She finds inspiration in the joy, glory, and pain in life, and she confronts these emotions with courage and confidence in her compositions. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Bridget Zari. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure for having me. Yes. Uh, So my first question for you is what got you interested in music and what inspired you to pursue a career in music? Um, So it's almost like uh, it wasn't a uh, conscious decision. It wasn't something I said, hey, I love music. I want to pursue music. It was something that was uh, I I, I was just born into and I found myself writing, you know, five songs. Mm -hmm. And with no idea why, what I was doing or why I was even doing it. So it wasn't something I thought, hey, I'm going to do music. It's just something I've been doing my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, one day I woke up and I said, I'm going to sing. It's just, it was just happening. I just started writing young and I started singing young and, um, and I just, yeah, then I started saying, yeah, I'm a, a songwriter, I'm a singer. Who the hell knew why? I, I didn't even know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a natural progression. Yeah, so it's like some things are just uh, preordained or destined and you don't know what's going on. You just go with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Um, so kind of going off of that, uh, I was wondering if you could speak to being a songwriter. I read in your bio, your story about singing with your brother and how you would kind of just like make up the music and the lyrics on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What do you want to know? Um, so kind of just like your, your process, I guess, and like how it like developed over time. Um, so songwriting to me is, uh, therapeutic Mm -hmm. it's it's whenever I have an issue be it happy or sad or any kind of event that's going on in my life I always go to write 
um, you know, I guess I, I would equate that with, uh, you know, a book, an author, or just anybody that has any kind of feelings, you know, and my feelings are always on paper or in, in this case, in a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's also um, something that's it's like, uh, also, again, a natural thing for me. I didn't really, um, I love, I love the standards, you know, and all my music is, a reflection of the influences mm-hmm. from, you know, Cole Porter, right. James Mercer, and, <clears throat> you know, Charlie Parker, Stan Getz, Michael Franks, all those people. Yeah. But but for me, because <clears throat> people always ask me, why don't you sing standards? It's not that I have anything against them. I adore them like everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all, you know, it's just that I need to tell my own story. So when I'm having an experience, a heartbreaking experience or a happy experience or whatever it may be, I don't go, I don't want to find out what Cole Porter did when he broke up with whoever. Mm-hmm. I need to talk about my my story that just took place. Right. And so I, I you know, I have to tell my own, my own thing. Right. I, I try to say that when, you know, they wrote, I left my heart in San Francisco, he left his heart in San Francisco. I didn't. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never heard anyone really put it like that before. I mean, everyone always talks about telling the story with the song and sharing your emotions through the song, but no one ever talks right. about it being like someone else's story and someone else's lens and you have your own. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like he wrote that song because he had a, you know, a, a, a heartbreak or, you know, whatever the actual story is. And um, it, so that's his story. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've had I have so many things that have taken place in my life. And, um, you know, my first outlet for me is I want to tell my story. And it's also a great way for people to get to know me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah, it's like yeah. almost like another level of it because exactly. it's like you don't have to try and interpret what someone else is trying to say. You like know because you wrote it right. and you felt it. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. then you feel the pain in the voice. You hear mm-hmm. the happiness in the voice. You you know, you, you, it's your own experience. And listen, God bless Sinatra. He never wrote anything, mm-hmm. but my God, how I, you know, I worship him and, um, there's nothing wrong with singing other people's songs. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I'm a big talker and I'm a big expressive person and mm-hmm. I need to yap. And my version <laughs> of yapping is writing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, shut up, Brigitte. No, no, you need to know what's going on. And then I sing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so you have a new album that you that you released on July 14th. So I was wondering if you could speak to your process with that and just about the album in general and um, your feelings behind it. Okay, that's a good question. Um, so the title of the album is Marie. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, uh, it's a tribute to my mother who I lost mm-hmm. a few years ago. I'm sorry. And Thank you. Yeah. And it's just, uh, again, I wouldn't be able to write about her if I was, you know, I don't think anybody has a mother named Marie, except Paul McCartney, I think. Mother Mary. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I had to tell that story. And it's just, it's dedicated to her. And, um, of course, there's love songs on it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, um, you know, it's, it's romantic. It's also a very romantic CD. Mm-hmm. But there's one song that's uh, called Marie. And it's a duet with... Um, Henri Comasias, who's a legendary uh, international uh, singer, 
I guess you would equate him to a European version of Tony Bennett. Mm, okay. With that kind of notoriety and stuff. Right. And um, so I did a duet with him, uh, which was, he was a big, my mother was a big fan of his, so that worked out pretty miraculously. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's a dedication to her. Uh, there's some French songs on it, because I'm, Fr- I don't know if you know, but I'm, uh, my parents are from Casablanca, Morocco. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I read that. Right, so that's the French-speaking capital of Morocco. So mm-hmm. I grew up with French, and uh, a lot of my songs are in French, and I have a really uh, uh, extensive uh, Par- French fan base. So I like to dedicate those things to them too. But anyway, to, the, uh, to answer your story, I get silver bows. Um, it's uh, it's dedicated to my mom in her honor, and. Uh, yeah, I hope she f- hears it somewhere up there. Yeah, you know? that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure she'll love it. Thanks, Ava. Is yeah. it Ava? Yes, Ava, yeah. That's my niece's name. Oh, no way. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as a singer, you've explored many other genres, but jazz is what has your heart. So what sets jazz apart from the other genres for you, and what was your experience exploring other genres? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, when I was really uh, little, uh, I'd say six or seven, my brother was on a date, my Mm -hmm. older brother, and uh, he put Stan Getz on for me. And it was almost like uh, a light bulb for my soul. You know, in life, Mm -hmm. you have those moments that'll stand out forever. Yeah. You know, like that one time you saw someone or somebody said something or so that was like, oh, my God, who is this? And um, he said, you, you know, you guys chill out. I'm going to let you rest. No, 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 no. Leave it on. Leave it on. I, you know, he wanted to turn it off. Leave it on. So anyway, when I heard Stan Getz, I knew that that was it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I sang a lot of jingles. I did a lot of television commercials mm-hmm. and um you know, I did some R&B stuff. I wrote some stuff. Uh, I, I sang on uh, a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, some films, etc. And in the kind of like an R&B pop thing. And I didn't get it. Didn't didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. It just uh, it was fun and hokey, and you know, it, it, it'll give you a good uh, put you in a good mood because you know, pop is always happy right. and stuff. But I need to be sad. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to feel. God forbid, I don't want to be sad, but I just, I just felt like it wasn't deep enough for me. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, it, the, it didn't have that depth and that mysticism that jazz has, you know, when you listen yes. to jazz, you feel like something's going on in the air and it's touching you in a place that pop music won't be able to. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally get that. I always say that jazz is like music for the soul and pop is always very surface level. Exactly. Yeah. And I exactly. think like as musicians and artists, we all feel things so extra, I think, compared to people that aren't yeah. for whatever reason. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's why it's still alive and well today. Jazz, yes. You know? Yeah, definitely. And, and you can sing jazz. I mean, look at Tony Bennett. God bless him. You know, he's going to be 95. Yeah. And, uh, you know, jazz to me is eternal. It never it's not a trend. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to do play an instrument on your jazz record that's going to be dated. Like people don't play those loops anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So jazz. Yeah. So 
so I also found that I found that because I used to write for a lot of different artists whatever and mm-hmm. R&B and stuff and I found that <clears throat> you always have to keep up with the instrumental trends when you're doing that kind of music right you know like that 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 those keyboards aren't hip anymore yeah so so with jazz you just it's a natural flow it's very organic and it it has a much more eternal shelf life yeah, that's a you good know? point. Yeah, I never thought about that. Like classical music kind of expired. Like composers don't write in that style anymore. But jazz has really always stayed pretty steady with like the theory behind it and everything. Yeah. 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 Like you can sing anything you want from a jazz book and it never sounds old, even though it's from the 30s or 40s. Or right. 50s. Yeah, for sure. So, so, um, and you have a lovely voice. By oh, the way. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, so looking at some of your performances, I saw you work with pretty large bands and not just a typical combo, like the, the three piece, uh, rhythm. Yeah. So what's your experience as a band leader with all of these instrumentalists? So fun, so fun and so much more alive and energetic than, you know, I've had a lot of promoters who are afraid of me. Because they think, oh my God, look at that 24-piece orchestra. Who the hell is going to be able to pay for that on tour? Right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't care. I don't think about that. I think about the song and what matters to the song. And whatever's going to happen after, it's going to happen. Yeah. But I need the listener to enjoy the song. Um, and it doesn't intimidate me when I see you know, all these guys, these musicians who I keep returning to because mm-hmm. they're all my favorites and it's like a big extended family for me. Yeah. You know, these are all guys that I adore. I don't know if you know who Randy Brecker is, but he's like a big brother for me. Oh, that's nice. Um, and and uh, Ada Ravati, his wife, also brilliant horn player, and they both have a very special place in my heart. Um, so uh, Paul Schaefer, who, who came on the, uh, I don't know if you know him, he's from the David Letterman show. He came on the... Uh, the live gig to play keys and um frank green amazing trumpet player brad mason amazing top trombone so basically we go back to the same people and it's when i write i always uh sometimes i'll think okay this one has to be a little bit more laid back uh and we do go into the trio thing Mm -hmm. but it's it's uh it's so much more fun to have uh the horns blowing as you're playing, as you're singing. It's like they're talking, we're all having this conversation in the recording, mm-hmm. in the recording session, you know? Right. If I, 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 in a few of my songs that um, I also co-produced, they'd be like, I'll sing, but then the horns would answer me back. So it's like we're all talking to each other. And whereas a trio, it's kind of like, it's more chill and uh, it has its moments. You yeah. Know? It has its right um sorry (laughs) um so I just took arranging it just made me think um I just took my arranging classes um and we were talking about Sammy Nestico and how he would like compose the melody and then arrange for that like for the whole band the melody that he wrote so I'm just curious like your thoughts on that since you write for the whole band do you like do you write the melody first and then arrange around that melody or do you like compose for the whole orchestra thinking about it like all at once like kind of just like your approach to that oh wow that's a good question 
Um, he was a great uh, composer and arranger, and he, you know, everybody has their their way. Yeah. Of um, how they do things. So with me, it's I'll think of a song in my head most of the time. So obviously, it can't come from anywhere else. It's yeah. Coming, you know, it'll pop into my head, mm-hmm. and the melody and the lyrics will come to me the first few lyrics will come to me but the melody is etched in stone Mm -hmm. and then I'll record it on the iPhone and stuff like that I have a song called See You Again on my first record uh, Make Room For Me Mm -hmm. and um, it's a duet it's a thing with Randy Brecker who was featured in uh, on it Mm -hmm. and that song came out lyric and melody all at once in my head so in other words I put the recorder on and I just started singing and I said holy shit that's awesome, you know? Yeah. So I played it for Neil Jason, the producer, and um, he was like, wow, are, are you okay with those lyrics? And I said, I'll tweak them later, but I think for now, that's good. So mm-hmm. I go in the studio, and I hear what I did, and I'll sing what I did, and then, yeah, I'll tweak a lyric here, tweak a lyric there, but with that song, it was just all done. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it comes to me like that, and sometimes the melody will just come to me with a few words and I'll record it and then I'll go and I'll say, so what do I have here? What did I do this morning? You know? Mm -hmm. And then I'll listen to it and I'll say, okay, cool. Or, okay, sit down now and write the whole song. Mm -hmm. So that's basically my, my process. And then as far as the music, I hear, you know, this song for sure has to be a big band song. I'll hear that right away. Mm -hmm. Or this song is absolutely a ballad. It has to be a trio. So whatever the song presents itself as in the cre- in the in the birth aspect, mm-hmm. then that's where the development process will take place. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or that. Whatever I hear it as, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah, I always love hearing about different people's processes because everyone has a different process, so yeah. it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving more towards being a woman in jazz, I've had my experiences, but I'm also in college, so I haven't had like a whole array of professional situations and experiences. So how would you describe your life as a woman in jazz professionally? What are some difficulties and adversities you faced, or do you feel like it's been a hurdle at all you've had to get over in your career? Um, you know, nothing really stands out, fortunately. That's good. Um. Yeah, I've had women horn players, and, um, you know, they they were uh, the minority because right. horn players are usually men. Yes. So they've had to work their way, but I always make sure they stand out to me and they know how special they are to me, you mm-hmm. know, as a woman to woman. Yeah. Um, that's very important because, you know, women have enough bullshit to go through in life yes. as it is. Yeah. But, yeah, so I had one horn player if you want to stand, if you want any kind of thing that stands out who was like you know I was singing with the big band and I was about to do a thing and I said I'm going to show you guys and he kind of said something nasty and I was like whoa Mm -hmm. so yeah it was like a guy girl nasty thing yeah you know and very humiliating and um so there another thing that'll never go away in my head you know what I mean yeah stuck with me forever yeah and and I just thought okay you know but you have to, you know, you have to soldier on and you've got to just uh, do your thing. And, and that the, what I've really had a problem with, honestly, Ava, is the writing. Mm. The writing. I know that's not your question, but that's where I've been met with controversy. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Because I had one radio guy say to my uh, one of my assistants, tell us she's getting really bad advice to be writing her own music. She should be singing standards. Everybody sings standards. And I thought, oh my God. That's, that's like ridiculous. Telling, yeah, that's like telling a painter, why aren't you painting so-and-so's paintings? Why yeah. are you painting your own? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, and no one thinks about it like that, too. Yeah, it yeah. make sense to me. Or a poet uh, who's writing his own poem, and some guy says, don't write his poem, write, you know, somebody else's. Yeah. Copy his. So, I mean, yeah, I've had from a writing perspective, I've had challenges. Yeah. You know? And then also being heard, because my songs are original, has been challenging. Right. Because everybody says, you know, managers and promoters all say, you know, you'd have a lot easier time, and you'd get a lot more um, listeners and reviews if you were to just sing Fly Me to the Moon. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's no room for me to sing that. Everybody right. has done that already. What is going to make me stand out? Yeah. And you have your you vision, know? yeah, and your your package of what you want as an artist, and that's part of it. Right, and that's a big part of it. But also I just feel like, you know, yeah, that's actually the biggest part of it. Yeah. Because – he he flew to he wants to fly to the moon that's his business <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was funny but right now i don't feel like flying to the moon yeah you know what I mean? yeah no i totally get <laughs> Maybe that i, I want to drive in my car yeah you know yeah for sure i had um i had a teacher who said to me you have to sing music that speaks to you and that you like because if you're singing things that you don't relate to it's the message is just lost and I think if you write your own music, it's just even better. Yeah, like I wish you would have said to you, to give you another, you know, a little take, a little inspiration, you have to sing and write your own music, mm. right? Because yeah. then, you know, you, Ava, if your experiences are being tossed out into the wind and nobody's going to hear your own experiences and you're just going to, you know, but, you know, it, it it's whatever makes you happy because maybe you relate to... Um, the songs that you're singing completely it, it totally speaks to you right that's great yeah you, know, you guys have the same experience you and cole porter or whoever you know uh, had the exact same experience and you can relate so that's mm. fabulous yeah you know yeah for Listen, sure never say never i mean <laughs> i'll never say i won't sing standards you know god yeah. forbid they're they're the reason why i'm here right i've been listening to them my whole life right yeah so I give them complete props, and um, it didn't hurt Frank Sinatra or Sarah Vaughn or Barbara Streisand or Michael Bublé has a career just on singing standards, and um, good for them, you know? Yeah. It is the songwriters that keep the industry alive, though, because how would the industry stay alive if there's no new music, too, so? Exactly. Yeah. That's that's very, yes, that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. But again, I don't want to poo-poo anybody. <laughs> oh, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I love them all. Yeah. Um, so my last question for you, as a singer, I, I sometimes feel like improvising as a vocalist is like a whole other beast than improvising on an instrument. So how do you look at improvising for the voice? Like, do you think about it as writing like a whole nother tune and another song within like those same chord changes? Or do you use like some instrumental techniques? Uh, keyboard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the voice is an instrument. Yes. Right? Yeah, totally. I've been told, you know, by a lot of people that my voice sounds like a horn. 
because I only listen to horn players. Mm -hmm. I I rarely listen to uh, singers. But yeah, so it's your 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 voice. Your head is an instrument. Your melodies are instrumental. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't necessarily need to play an instrument, although it helps. But um, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's a good way to put it for sure. It's it's interesting. Yeah. A lot of people always say, "Well, the the voice isn't an instrument," but I feel like it's like the original instrument because oh there God. were no it's instruments. Absolutely, the yeah. voice is an instrument. Of course, it's an instrument. Yeah, for sure. If there's no voice, how is anybody going to interpret what the voice? Is? You you can't. You have to have. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know who would say such a thing. Yeah, I I don't I think it's just like kind of like a stigma thing. I don't know if like how many people like outwardly say it, but I've definitely like heard it or like oh singers aren't musicians. It's like mm, I'm a musician. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. Yeah, so I think that's just like some stigma in the industry um, yeah. that I've heard. But the voice is a major instrument for sure. Yeah, I have a teacher who always says that the voice was the first instrument, and all of the instruments are based around the voice. So fabulous yeah i i agree yes yes definitely yeah richard harper from the new school yeah wow (laughs) yeah well it was so lovely speaking with you thank you so so much for your time i really appreciate it thank you all so much for listening you can find brigitte zari on instagram at brigitte zari and spotify and apple music by just searching her name we're going to hear a little bit more of her song marie in the outro of today's episode Tune in next time for another episode of Spotlight Women in Jazz. Ni de peur ni de l'âme, plus aucun souci, ma chérie Marie, ma Marie. Jolie, jolie Marie.